0: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
1: This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two barbies and a bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed,
2: Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden,
1: Bring you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth, spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. We are back and we're a trio again because Michael is here. Hey, Michael.
2: Hey, I'm so glad to be back. I missed you guys so much. I did listen. Big fan of the podcast, in case you didn't know. Um, you did a great job. Um, but yeah, it's it's been too long, and I'm so excited to dive into this.
1: Thank you. We missed you too, and we're super glad you didn't mess up the timeline. At least, we think you didn't.
2: <laughs> no, no. I, I will never be Barry Allen.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. But he's, I mean, Barry's great. He just... Should stay out of time.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we can talk about that today, (laughs) definitely.
1: Yes, yes, we can. I'm so excited to talk about The Flash. But first, we have to launch into the news. But, you know, it's Arrowverse news, so it's still very exciting. Diggle is going to be in the Superman and Lois season two finale.
2: That feels quite relevant after the most recent episode of The Flash, doesn't it? Um, Yeah. It does. Uh, I'm looking forward to that because... Diggle appeared last season in Superman at Lois. It was the only Arrowverse connection we've had thus far. Did he? Uh, yeah. Did he? Remember? Oh. Uh, no, I don't no. <laughs> He's
0: like, no. To answer your question. No, I don't remember.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he showed up when, uh, John Henry Irons and the DOD needed something to stop evil Superman. Um, and Lois was all like, I know you. And he was all like, I know you. But yeah, he tried to like appeal to general lens. Good side. If he has one, but he it was only a cameo appearance, but, uh, We don't know. Apparently this one will be far more important. Uh, He plans it will set up the season two finale and then directly tie into season three. And we don't know how. I hope it has something to do with what his appearance on the most recent episode of The Flash. But if we're still remaining like completely separate from the rest of the Arrowverse, maybe it won't. But I'm very intrigued to see how this Arrowverse veteran will tie into a show that literally leaves all of its Arrowverse connections at the door. It pretends it doesn't exist in that world. Everybody loves John Diggle I love John Diggle It's been a long time Since we've had regular John Diggle So I'm looking forward To seeing what he adds To the finale
1: I am too Because And he's going to be playing A lot He's adding a lot To the story If he's going to be the one Because he's Been the bridge Between Superman and Lois And the rest of the Arrowverse And so he's got like Triple duty We're doing like I'm assuming the connection to The Flash and Supergirl is going to come through him. Um, Like you said, he's going to be setting up the season three Big Bad for Superman and Lois. And fingers crossed, he sets up Justice U in this finale.
2: Yeah, that's kind of what we're waiting on, isn't it? Um, All's gone quiet on the Justice U front. And again, we'll talk about The Flash later, but that conversation started again last night. We don't know when that will happen. If it will happen, apparently it's still in development. So here's hoping we finally get some more crumbs because it's been a long time during pilot season when we haven't heard a darn thing about that. So fingers crossed.
1: Yes. And I really want, I mean, we're, I don't know. We're not excited for Gotham Knights, but I would really like for Arrowverse. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm sorry. It came up um, and it's true. <laughs> uh, we're going to watch anyway. I mean, that's not a, That's not necessarily a slight. I think anyone who's seen the trailer is feel a little rough. Um, about Gotham Knights landing in 2023. But I want an Arrowverse connected show. And it would be really great if Justice U, um, you know, comes next year as well.
0: What if Jonathan goes to Justice U? You know,
1: that could be fun.
0: Yes, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Both of you were like, no, no. <laughs> just, no a stray mean, just a straight <laughs> thought. Just a straight thought.
2: I could see that working. I'm not going to lie. I think that would be cool.
1: Yeah. Oh, you know what? If, even if it's just there for like a cameo and then he goes home back to the Kent farm. That's,
0: that's fine. Yeah, he goes for a college visit. <laughs>
1: no, that would be fun. He'd lose his mind on a college campus, but that'd be really fun.
0: Oh yeah. He's definitely going to a party school. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. spiral will begin. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Well now hopping out of like Airverse News, there is, I don't know how many people knew that Sweet Valley was getting um, a TV series adaptation on the CW, um, but it no longer is going to be doing that because uh, it's one of the casualties, most likely, of the impending sale. But the question is whether or not the show will make a hop to a different network or a different streamer. It seems like there's some rumblings about it being shot elsewhere. Um, I don't know, a, show, a thriller, a YA thriller seems like it'd be... I mean they're a dime a dozen nowadays, but like it seems like it'd be interesting if it landed somewhere else.
0: I can see it happening because um I don't know, I, these shows tend to still have life in them, even though like a network passes on them. And like you said, their thrillers are really in right now, especially teen ones. So I could see it going to if not um Paramount Plus, which seems um a good place for it to slide in based on who the cbs producing it but like hbo max or something because they now have like the new pretty little liars and all these kinds of like thrillers so i could see them not giving up on this and trying to get it right
1: same um i think i'd be interested in seeing it Uh, Just in case um, no one's aware of what the plot would be, Sweet Valley is a town where everyone dreams of growing up, and there is no better example of that promise than Elizabeth Wakefield. However, she is missing her twin sister, Jessica, who miraculously returns, and apparently those two have a bit of a Terrible and rocky relationship and a rivalry. But when a new girl, Enid Ruiz, discovers something about someone pulling the strings in town, she convinces the twins to put aside their bad blood in order to drag Sweet Valley's dark roots into the California sunshine.
0: Hmm. It reminds me of uh, the movie A Simple Favor a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because there's a, well, kind of a spoiler if you haven't seen the movie, but it's like five years old now. Blake Lively has a twin sister that's missing and it's a mess. But yeah, this is giving me a simple favor meets like um, what's that show? I'm drawing a blank. Forget that I said that. <laughs> wait, wait, do you know the plot though? Maybe we can guess the name. I don't know. Right. It's like, I don't know. It's giving me something. But it sounds interesting enough, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it'd be, I feel like it could have a following if it landed somewhere. I mean, we'd obviously we'd have to see it, but the plot is intriguing.
0: Hmm. Kind of wait, I don't think I was thinking of a show. I think I was thinking of Jennifer's body. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. So yeah, it's not like because Megan Fox was like a a vampire monster sort of situation. And this isn't giving that, but it sort of feels like that.
1: We'll see if it's in that vein, that could be something that people really enjoy, sort of an irreverent YA thriller with a mystery at the center. So I'm I'm actually kind of sad it's not going to be on the CW, but hopefully it lands somewhere, like Glamorous um, landed. Glamorous is a show about a character named Marco, Marco Mejia. Um, who's a young, gender, non-conforming queer man who, um, whose life seems to be stuck in a place until he lands a job working for legendary makeup mogul Madeline Addison. And it's his first chance to figure out what he wants out of life and who he actually is and what it, what it really means for him to be queer. That was going to be on the CW too, but it was dropped and now it's going to be on Netflix. So, I mean, maybe Sweet Valley could land on Netflix and you could have a two-for-one deal for YA. Yeah, so hopefully Sweet Valley lands somewhere. Um, I realized, though, that when we were talking about our Arrowverse news, we should have also talked about um, Legends potentially finishing on The Flash season 9. I know Eric Wallace, the showrunner, said that's likely not to happen because he has to finish up season 9, which may possibly be the series finale season of um, The Flash. But considering this week's episode this week's episode of the flash um it's possible you could definitely finish their story on on in season nine
2: not to dive into the spoilers of how much i loved this week's episode of the flash because we will get to that but one of the reasons I love this week's episode of The Flash was that it felt like an old-fashioned Arrowverse show. There were so many connections to the, to the wider universe. You had so many references to the Legends of Tomorrow. Ray Palmer appeared in it. Both versions of via Bard appeared in it. It just felt like one of those old-fashioned Arrowverse episodes that had all the connections you could imagine. And like The Flash hasn't done that in years. So the fact that they referenced the Legends, they showed one of them, they showed flashbacks to Thon's appearance in the last season of Legends, and you saw Sarah as well, it, it still does feel to me like The Flash could wrap up Legends of Tomorrow's uh, story. I don't want them to. That's not fair. That's not right. But it seems very plausible given the direction they're going in. And if that was the only way to do it, I'd accept it. I don't want it. But it just feels to me like The Flash suddenly remembers that it's an hour over a show and it hasn't done that in a very long time. So I know Eric Wallace doesn't want to do it. But if it happened, I wouldn't hear it as much as not getting a conclusion, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, because it's better to, to get a conclusion than not to have a conclusion at all. I mean, we are still very much hashtag save Legends of tomorrow mm-hmm. in these streets on every platform we could possibly be on. Um, but I do think if the like if the only option is wrapping it on the Flash, then, you know, just to pitch yet another thing to the CW, what about the Flash Legends of Tomorrow crossover event? Three episodes, y'all. I mean, and we can just wrap Barry just for whatever reason has to go over to their side of time. It's just him. And he's just on he's just on legends for three episodes as we wrap this up.
2: That would be cool. Like a three episode event to kick the season off. Um, just like we did the five episode event last year. Um, set in the time prison, Barry helps them escape, legends save the day, end off wrapped up and finish their story because that's what they kind of need and deserve. It's possible. I know if it was just a separate episode of The Flash, that wouldn't be the exposure it needed. But yes, a five-episode event or a three-episode event or a mini kind of TV movie, anything like that, would be a good way of wrapping it up. And Now that The Flash has remembered those connections, I could see it happening.
1: Yeah. Um, and so, you know what? Manifesting it right now, in some capacity, buttons of Tomorrow's story, is going to be wrapped up. We're not going to naysay because I think this fandom has been so loud. And I so have like a lot of, uh, has a lot of the media too. I mean, the whole reason Eric Wallace got asked about this is because a reporter took their time to ask him, would you wrap it up on the Flash? Um, I do think though, if there is an Arrowverse character, and I can I really want to talk about The Flash, darn it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to tiptoe around this episode. But is there, if there is an Arrowverse character whose story is going to wrap up that hasn't been yet, it would be Mia's. And it, um, it was confirmed that Eric does want to put her in um, season nine of The Flash if they can get her.
2: I'm in two minds about that because I really like that character. But the last time she appeared on The Flash, it did absolutely nothing to tie up her green arrow in the Canaries arc. Nothing. uh, Her brother was still missing after two years. There was no reference to the Canaries other than that arrow that made the sound of their cries. But like what it didn't accomplish anything. And bringing one of those three characters back again could very well just accomplish nothing all over again. Don't get me wrong. If it's the final season of The Flash, give me as many cameos as possible. But I don't know, I think that character needs her own project to tie up her own story because they didn't do that great of a job of advancing it at all on The Flash.
0: Ooh.
1: But perhaps they took notes from last time and it will be improved.
0: Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. You think, you Do you think so though? Uh, no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not for her,
1: but considering, you know, the episode of The Flash that just aired, it's possible to do this. So I don't see why it can't be done with Mia if they give her the screen time that's necessary. Though we're, we can't campaign for a Green Air and the Canary Show because it's not happening. But if the CW would just, you know, rethink that decision, go back to the drawing board. I know that um, Kat is in Walker Independence, but nothing says that we can't have a TV movie.
2: Right. Another three episode event. Make it happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Because I mean, people will watch. It's not like people won't. Like people really want these stories to be wrapped up.
2: Definitely, it feels like back in the day, those Arrowverse stuff was kind of winding down. and now that it's all been kind of called at once, people would actually tune in for those things that r- remind them of the old era of the Arrowverse. So yeah, I think it would be a wise idea to pay tribute to that because once the Flash ends, that kind of feels like the end of the original era. Mm-hmm. Not that we're, we're not really in it anymore, let's be honest. But it just it feels like the kind of last kind of relic of that era. So any kind of like reference or nod to that, I think people would absolutely lap it up. So go for it.
1: Yes. And can manifest fingers crossed. Please listen to our pleas. <laughs> um, and that's, that's it for the news um, for today's episode. We're going to launch right now into the... Well, since we've already been punchy anyway, the death of the Vampire Diaries universe. (laughs) Like they they're putting a stake in it. In fact, tonight, because it's the uh, as we record, it is a few hours before the Legacy series finale, which is, you know, going to be a culmination of all that has come before. So we thought, why not talk about the universe at large, starting with the trio that began all Stefan, Elena and Damon.
0: I love them. As someone who's just recently started watching The Vampire Diaries 13 years too late, <laughs> <laughs> I just finished season one, and my God, do I love all three of them.
1: I'm sorry, I got excited because that means we've seen the season one finale, so you yeah. Know.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, We need to get into that because I was shaken. <laughs> right,
1: right. One of the best finales, like season one finales I've ever seen in my life. I yeah. truly went there.
0: Yeah, total fake out. I did not see it coming. I, I mean, I know they teased in the beginning that Catherine would be like coming because when uh, Elena was getting dressed in her like Founders Day situation, they made it seem like it was Catherine and they're like, JK, it's just Elena. Um, but at the end of the episode, I didn't like when Damon and quote Elena kiss, I was like, oh my God, they're doing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they're they're really going here. And then when she goes into the kitchen and chops off her uncle's fingers, I was still like, "Yes, Elena, pop off." <laughs> <laughs> and then I still wasn't getting it until uh, he said, "Oh my God, Catherine!" <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God, it's Catherine!" <laughs> I'd seen, I,
2: I started the show in the second season, so I knew Catherine popped up, but even watching it back, I didn't get that. I didn't see that until the very end. Hello, John. Goodbye, John. <laughs> <laughs> Shook is
0: definitely the right word for it. I, I had to go back and like rewatch Nina's performances as Catherine in the last like two scenes just to see like what she was doing that I didn't pick up on. And she made it so nuanced that. I mean, I'm sure other people thought coming a mile away, but for me, mm-hmm. I was just like, I was in it. I was like on board with Elena going bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, um, actually, if I remember correctly, when all of that happened, because I was watching um, live, uh, people did not know at first that that was ca- the amount of shook on the internet <laughs> that happened when because everyone was like oh my god delana is happening and like that is not Like, <laughs> and so they um i think when you get further into like the rest of the seasons nina Dobrev is a master class in playing multiple characters with the same face like she's just amazing i think she was still one of the best actresses I've ever seen but if we're talking about like CW period one of the best Mm -hmm. actors CW ever had the privilege of having on their network she's just outstanding in um, her roles and I loved every single moment of Catherine when you watch the season two premiere you're gonna live (laughs) you're just (laughs) truly gonna live
0: I'm so excited because they ended it at right at the exact right moment with Elena coming back in the house and just, like, walking towards the kitchen and just, like, fade to black. Amazing. Like, 10 out of 10 TV. Like, they don't do it like this anymore.
1: (laughs) They don't. And it's so sad that they do not. I mean, not to say that we don't have some epic television on um, currently, but I don't think it's been a while since I was as shook as I was when the season one finale of The Vampire Diaries aired and it definitely had to do with the way that they surprised everybody in
0: was, a good way there was so much going on in that episode it wasn't just like the catherine reveal there was like relationship stuff caroline's in the hospital because tyler was wigging out because, because he's like triggered <laughs> into becoming a werewolf or whatever's going on with him like there was just so many moving parts that i ugh, my mind was just spinning in that whole episode and like now I remember reading um, articles about the show when it was first on and I didn't watch it. And they, I always heard people talk about the pacing of the show and how much they did each, not just season, each episode. And I'm like, this show really was not afraid to c- go through story, but they did it really well. It wasn't just like they were burning through everything in their arsenal. They just like, I don't know, they did it so well. And I'm mad at myself for not watching it sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I know Timing's everything. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. You can appreciate it all together now. <laughs> yeah. um, and it feels timely, given what we're talking about. Um, I remember when it was on and a lot of people weren't loving it very early on. And the first couple of episodes, it took a while to find, to find its footing. But I think the consensus was that Towards the second half of season one, right then, right into season two, it's just bang, bang, bang. It doesn't stop. And I remember thinking it really did find its footing from there, both just from the character standpoint and the, the way they started delving into that mythology that only played with before. It really does feel like it finds its footing. And I will say, season two is one of my favorite seasons. So enjoy the ride, <laughs> Yes, it arguably maybe the best
1: season mm-hmm. um, as agree.
2: far as
1: overall storytelling. Like those first those first few episodes as all like everything comes together. They're a ride read. Like they just truly, <laughs> truly are. Um, which is so funny because yes, if you watch the pilot of the vampire diaries, it doesn't give you much in terms of like poking you. It's a lot of top 40 hits and they're Elena her really, Yeah, they tiptoe in diary.
0: into the world. They just tiptoe into it. <laughs>
1: yes. And you're just like, hmm. But then once you get actually on um, the train, it's, It's amazing. Even the triangle. Um, How are you feeling? Do you have a team? Do you care, Reed, where where she lands?
0: I honestly don't really care. I'm on board. I mean, this is usually just my shipping mentality to begin with. Like, I'm on board with wherever the story goes. I may not like it, but I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I do. I can see both options. Um, I do really like the way that Stefan loves Elena. Mm -hmm. And I think um, the way that they developed Damon's character throughout the second half of season one was really um, necessary, but it's still like whenever they redeem these irredeemable characters, or at least try to give them some humanity. I'm always like, but I still remember like that doesn't (laughs) (laughs) change anything, but I do really love Damon and, I think I would I'm excited to see them together and see what chaos that brings because I mean if you're not tuning into a teen drama for a mess then you're not tuning in for the right reasons
1: <laughs> true retweet
0: <laughs>
1: such a perfect sentence because it's very true I think where did I land um I think I was like team Delena like deeply entrenched in team lane. Not that I didn't like Stefan and Elena. They just like, as far as ship feelings go, they didn't, they didn't give me that. Oh my God. Um, like where you want to put the two of them together. But I will say in later seasons, I saw the vision, I saw the motion. I like I got everything the Delenas were talking about. Um especially cuz I think by as we got further in and Damon was starting to annoy me. Um and that might have to do with a lot of pining. Uh, you can only pine so much before you're like, okay, can he move on? <laughs> <laughs> um, but like as a as a ship, I think Delenas very compelling especially for viewers who love seeing a bad boy redeemed and fall in love with the one girl who can change him forever
0: yeah see that's not really i have issues with that but i can see it like i enjoy watching it it's intriguing it's definitely the most intriguing um of the two pairings just because of that element of like danger and forbidden whatever um and they do really establish stefan and elena as like a really safe loving um couple which doesn't always make for the most gripping <laughs> yeah. shipping or television um, although they do have their issues but they just really love each other and that's can get boring for some viewers as much as they might love the characters sometimes it's just not enough danger and that's what damon gives you yeah I- I remember when I started it,
2: it was in the prime of obviously the in years. So it was hard to see anything else but that. But because people knew the source material, because people were talking about it nonstop and they saw the chemistry, you knew that was the direction they were hinting that it could potentially go at some point. So and I think as someone who enjoyed one version of it, they do they they do such a great job. And we've talked about like how how strong the triangle is they do such a great job of making you see the other side, even if you don't ship the other side and then vice versa, you you, you jump on board and then you jump off the, the show. The show makes you feel exactly what it wants you to feel. And that to me is very, very good writing. And I know people harp on about modern day CW shows, not being able to do that, but the Vampire Diaries was in a class of its own when it came to that kind of drama.
1: It was, and that's not to say like, we're heaping a lot of praise on it because it deserves a lot of praise. Um, but Shows do fall off and that's usually when they are on for a really long time. So mm-hmm. I just find like the way that they freshen it up is, is they like expand it into a franchise or they bring back a character who was a fan favorite. My favorite was Lexi.
0: I loved her too. And I mean, obviously I've only seen season one, but she shows up in the episode. I was like, yes, I love her. And then by the end of the episode, it's like, Wait, well, <laughs> <laughs> I See ya. <laughs>
1: I was deeply hurt when it
0: happened
1: because mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought she was staying around and they were like, JK, yeah, no, she so
0: fun. She was mixing it all up. She was exciting. But Ariel, that's a testament to Ariel Kebble's ability to like hop into an established show and steal a little bit of the spotlight.
1: She stole it all, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Jack the show.
0: I know. I didn't want to give her too much credit just in case anybody was like, What about Nina? And I'm like, I haven't (laughs) forgotten about Nina.
1: (laughs) But we we just spent like five minutes praising Nina. We can show for Ariel. This is
0: true. This is true.
1: Um, But so I wasn't aware of it until you um, said it. I didn't realize how much of a WBCW queen Ariel is.
0: Yeah, it all began on Gilmore Girls. She played Dean's wife <laughs> which was a very um interesting turn of events for Rory she mm. was Lindsay Dean's wife and if you're a Gilmore Girls fan you know how that ends not well for anybody really um Rory cheats with Dean wow. okay, I'm I mean, lost
1: I, just, I don't watch yeah, to yeah I was like I, I, I could night. see <laughs>
0: Sabrina was just like nodding and smiling <laughs> <laughs> and then Ariel was in Grounded for Life which is probably like a really cult show it started out on Fox and then the WB saved it for like the last two or three and a half seasons um I don't remember her in it because I haven't watched that show in about 20 years (laughs) of course she was in TVD and then she was in Life Unexpected um I forget exactly who her character was related to I believe she was somebody's sister Um, But she was a regular in season two. And in fact, she was in an episode that crossed over with One Tree Hill. So she can add that to her bingo card because she acted with Haley James Scott. And then she was in my personal favorite 90210 in the final two seasons as Vanessa, who I believe she was stalking Liam. And like, pretended to be his girlfriend. It was a whole mess. And then she ends up shooting Annie. <laughs>
1: Wait, that whole sentence was a ride.
0: <laughs> yeah, like a well, turns yeah, that's to 2 0 for you. There is a scene where she falls off a balcony and Liam thinks she's dead and like gone. And then she just like comes back in season five. I think, yeah, later in season five, she goes back. That was the premiere. She like falls off a balcony and he looks down and she's dead.
1: (laughs) I love soap operas. I I just just really
0: do. It's so good. But yeah, I was so happy. I didn't know she was in the Vampire Diaries until I started watching it. I was like, Ariel, your bingo card is just (laughs) Max.
1: (laughs) Well, she. so I think, Michael, I know I think you've watched a little bit more Vampire Diaries than I have. I think she appears every season.
2: I think that might be right maybe does she maybe not season 2 i can't remember because it's been too long i did rewatch it all recently but i still forget um sh- you do get quite accustomed and acquainted to laxey over the course of the show it never lets you fully forget her and i stand them for that because i do i love that character so much um yeah you will see quite a bit of her throughout. And I know it's not in the grand scheme of episode numbers. It's not that many, but it's very well paced and spaced. But mm-hmm. she keeps popping up. She, she could be considered a recurring character, if you like to think of it like that. You'll never forget her. She's never far from your mind because she's usually on screen like once a season, like Sabrina said. I'm assuming it's flashbacks.
0: Okay. Okay. We don't need to answer the question. (laughs) It's complicated. uh, Yeah,
1: I guess what we will say is that um, every time she comes back, you get a bit, a little bit more of Stefan's Mm past—the past that he can't—that's tied to her. So he doesn't really talk about it because Damon wasn't around during those years. So um, you learn a lot about uh, Stefan's eating habits when Lexi is around. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So this is a good segue into the horror elements of mm-hmm. um, the Vampire Diary universe. Can't I say, Stefan became one of my favorite characters ever when it was revealed. How, why he's a vegetarian vampire? If I, I think that's how they phrase it. um Rita already knows this because we spoiled him in a group chat, but Stefan's a Ripper and the way that they do the Ripper storylines on the Vampire Diaries made my entire life. I mean, he leaves bodies up and down the Eastern Seaboard. And I I was like, how does this sweet, lovable, kind, endearing character have a switch that makes him monstrous and murderous and just doesn't care? I mean, because the other vampires turn off their switch. Yes, they eat. Like, they drink from people. They kill people. But Stefan is a particular case that should really be studied. And if there are vampire historians within the Vampire Diaries universe, someone has probably written a book for the underworld, the dark Mm world, about him because he's
2: amazing. That to me is what separated Stefan from Damon, because everybody says Damon's the more interesting character. Everybody loves a bad boy, but we've seen that kind of bad boy who can be redeemed for the girl many, many times before. Stefan, on the other hand, has a ton of depth below the Boring, which I disagree with. Boring, surface, and that made to me made him a far more interesting character. I feel like as the show went on, it really explored that more and more and more and that is what puts him over the finish line ahead of Damon for me. Uh, it definitely leans into a completely different side of the Vampire Diaries than you saw in, in season one at all. And there's so many layers to it. I'm, I'm not going into spoilers because I want Reed to experience it completely uninterrupted and untainted, but I prefer I always liked Stefan as a character just because I liked him more, but that made him more interesting. And that because given how like larger than life a character Damon was, I'm happy that the work they did to make Stefan more interesting. It's it, it's brilliant.
1: It is. And then Paul Wesley, like hit it out of the park whenever <sighs> he had to do those those segments. I mean, the way that like the the story behind it is great. Um, but like the how he like <laughs> sorry, I was going to say bit into the story. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Get the pun on. <laughs> yes. Um, the way like, he, he like, ate those storylines is just so great. I think one of the things that set the vampire diaries apart um, in my mind when it came to Supernatural television is how far they leaned in to um, the non-salons of how the vampires are. Like, they're staking people all the time just to end conversations. We're like killing bodies like the witches are like y'all are evil and this is why we don't care for y'all and then you have like but some of us are good and like that's why there's always that element of bonnie not quite seeing it for the other um i'm not sure if it's the other supernatural characters it's been a while since i watched the vampire diaries or if it's just simply the vampires because of how they love to roll which is murderous um uh but one of the things i will say that i loved about bonnie besides the fact that you know she's a witch and i love witches um is that she was so, despite all the tragic storylines that they gave her, she was so compelling to me um, as as a piece of the puzzle of this story because she held the vampires accountable for their behavior. Um, Everybody else, because they loved them, would be like, you know, I mean, yes, he killed someone, but he's sorry. And she was like, someone is dead and a family is mourning. I need more than an apology. (laughs) Um, And yes, of course, she grew to love them as well. But I like that she kept them in order and kept them in line.
2: I love Bonnie so much. I the show can do certain things where like it'll go a few episodes without her. And that's all right. You enjoy what's on screen. And then as soon as she's back, you're like, yes, Bonnie. I just got so connected to that character. And she has some amazing standout moments throughout the course of the show. And again, to have her off screen for so long and then you're suddenly totally back invested in her story as soon as she comes back on screen. Definitely for me, one of the top five characters in the show, probably top three. I love her so much. Not her
0: bangs though. (laughs) 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 When she leaves and sees the one after Graham's dies and she just like reappears and she has truly, I'm sorry to Kat Graham, but not great bangs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the hair on the CW is always, like it's either really, really good or you're like sitting there, <laughs> like, please, in three episodes, did you change the actress or actor's name? <laughs> please say yes. <laughs> um, but with, with Bonnie, besides the bangs, Um, <laughs> I was team Bonnie deserved better because uh, it just felt like they would not, the writer's room just would not give her a storyline that didn't end in tragedy of some kind. She was always sacrificing herself mm-hmm. for people. I mean, or, that's why- like, I-
0: Even okay. in the season one finale, not to interrupt you, but to jump off that thought, even in the season one finale, she she had betrayed um, Elena by pretending to lift the curse from the the invention, is what they kept calling it. I don't know, they call it like eight different mm-hmm. things. But she doesn't actually lift the curse from it so that when it's activated, all the vampires are like feeling it. Um, but she goes back up. she did that because she was, I mean, angry at Damon, obviously, for what he had done to her grandmother. Um, But she goes back on that. She walks back on that and then helps Elena save Damon from the fire basement or whatever was going on. I was like, Bonnie, you just you like compromised your beliefs for I don't don't know. I was like, I, I didn't love that for her I, but I knew Damon wasn't going to die like she was going to intervene and help Damon because you can't obviously I knew he's not <laughs> he's in the whole series but I was like come on Bonnie like stick to your guns
1: you're yeah, like plot armor should have just allowed that man to... <laughs> 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 they should not have saved him um, yeah she She. I guess not to give away to much. she does that a lot she loves her friends so much and they're like her family and so while she is the main one to hold people accountable she will go back on her moral standing um, when her friends ask her
0: to. It seems like kind of a, a, a bummer because it seems behind the scenes they're using that character to mm. intervene in the plot and help the plot. <laughs> <laughs> so like while she does like support her friends, it's kind of like you could see the wheels turning behind the scenes where they're like, we need someone to fix this and we'll use Bonnie. Mm -hmm. But that's just my reading after 22 episodes, so.
1: Oh, you're not alone. Like what you're saying right now is a complaint people had when it was on. Um, And it is, unfortunately, this is something that I'm just going to go ahead and spoil you right now for so you don't get aggravated as you continue watching. It's something that's going to continue to happen.
0: Well, there we go. <laughs> like Bonnie does deserve better. <laughs> yes, yes,
1: she does. Um, so, but she is well beloved by those who've watched The Vampire Diaries. So, um, while the plot to the right, and sometimes the writers, because it's their plot, um, didn't serve her well, Kat Graham mm-hmm. truly gave us amazing performances on this show.
2: Undoubtedly, I love her so much.
1: I don't, so I think, I she, I don't remember what happens to Bonnie at the end of the Vampire Diaries, Um, and she likely wouldn't be in the Legacy Series finale, but if there's a character to bring back, if you can't get Elena, um, Bonnie would be great. We do know, though, that they're bringing Klaus back.
2: Mm-hmm. That feels relevant, that feels appropriate, because... Legacies may take place in the TVD universe, but it's technically a spin-off of the originals. So it just it makes sense if we're going to wrap it up. It feel it's funny that a show that started as like this romance drama between three people has ended up. Be, it, it's it's under that mythology umbrella all around the originals the originals basically feels like the start and the end of this universe so i feel like if there's one thread to tie it all together klaus is probably the right choice for that even though the vampire diaries will always remain the most popular of the three the originals and klaus feels like the right thread to end the story for now but it feels like the right one to end it because hope's an original relation if that makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. that's his daughter right Mm -hmm.
0: yeah Okay.
1: And that's like probably the extent of our legacy's knowledge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, besides the fact that you know that, like the the, the series, the Vampire Diaries universe gives you so many different flavors. Because, like with the Vampire Diaries, yes, we start in high school, but it's it's very much like a supernatural horror drama. Um, that fills ahead of its time, at least for on the CW. And then, like, you get the originals, which is very, like, southern funky, because we're in New Orleans, and there's a feud going on um, and who's gonna, like, reclaim the city. And then you have Legacies, which is a supernatural boarding school teen drama, like, where that adds more to the lore in terms of, like, what what different supernatural creatures appear. So it's just interesting that the Vampire Diaries sort of, like, the Vampire Diaries universe just charts these different paths for different tastes. So like, if you didn't like this show, perhaps you are like this other one over here.
2: That's very interesting. And it's, it's a great point because like the biggest shared universe CW has is obviously the Arrowverse and all of those shows are practically the same kind of show just with a different hero. Whereas the Vampire Diaries feels like kind of like this rich universe that could spawn multiple different types of shows. So the fact that Legacies is ending, I hope that sometime in the future we see a different type of, or a different new show that's, again, a different t- kind of genre. Of course, there'll be crossover there as far as the supernatural and the violence and all that kind of stuff goes. But there's so much depth there and so much to pull it from. I, I could see another different type of genre show spawning from this universe in the next four or five years.
0: I can yeah. definitely see, even though this is the end of it, the TVD universe, Right now, I can see it making a comeback in the future. Like there's no doubt in my mind, it may not be like a spin off or a revival, but they'll keep this universe going. Like there's no way they, they won't. Like they this this particular franchise is way too beloved and successful <laughs> for and this like to be huge. like Yeah, this can't be like the end end. The end for now. Yeah,
1: like just a little um what you call it, Read a semicolon.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a semicolon, yeah. not a period I or a love comma, that. but yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so I mean, so it's, I wonder though, if it's like if it doesn't continue on a CW, where they will move the show to, like a uh, new TVD universe esque show.
0: I it's... put my money on HBO Max because mm. they yeah. got they're, they're continuing Pretty Little Liars, so.
1: Which means that with it being behind the paywall, they can, and not on broadcast, they can push the envelope very, can, very far. They
0: can open the envelope. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Before we hop into, like, talking about what we were watching, now I want a, um, a spinoff, if Paul Wesley would want to do it, of um, Stefan's Ripper years. Because they could do a oh. DVD horror.
0: How, like, how do they do that if he's eternally 17 and Paul Wesley is definitely aged?
1: I will suspend disbelief.
0: Okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I could see a few separate
2: mini series set in different decades around that. That would be amazing.
1: Uh, they bring, bring Stefan Salvatore back into the fold. Yes,
2: yes, yes. It's what he deserves.
1: It is. Okay, so now, leaving behind, I guess after resting the flowers on the grave of the Vampire Diaries universe, which, I mean, we're short, they resurrect sometime. Um, we will now hop into the future of the CW, which I still stand by saying it's Tom Swift. Um, Mm -hmm. After watching episode three, Nine Inches of Danger, I feel even more secure in in that, despite what the viewership says. I mean, is is it low for, not by CW standards. That's the thing that like, everyone's like, oh, the ratings are low. I'm just like, no, it's it's mid for CW. It's fine, we're fine. But this episode was so intriguing because you have to see more of the inner workings of um, the company and like the type of tech that they make, uh, as well as sort of, again, more espionage as we're lying to folks in order to get the the technology we need in order to save Papa Swift.
0: That whole sequence when he made himself invisible was amazing. Yes. (laughs) Like, I don't know how he did it, why it happened, but he was standing in front of that man that had one a monocle, (laughs) like a whole eye open. He was like, couldn't be detected. I was like, This is amazing. I have no notes. (laughs) I don't understand it, but I love it.
2: I think I'm going to go on record here and say, I think that's my favorite episode of the show so far. Um, I, we may not have been on the same pod, but we were definitely on the same page last week because. Uh, I completely agreed with your guys' discussion about how the first half of the second episode was a little slow-moving. And this one didn't feel like that It kind of felt like I love that Kind of like off the, or Right off the bat uh, Right into like it, it definitely was an adventure Of the week But I think that's where the show will thrive And like we know Next week's that cowboy episode um, Every episode Has a different flavour And this one definitely felt like it's It kind of found its footing Because it definitely felt like It's been building towards something And yeah that whole sequence Was amazing I know I said to you Sabrina It was like out of Batman Forever When the Riddler Could make people see things And that's what it felt like It was just like No expensive spurred. This crazy stuff happening right in front of them I loved when The the the, the liquid almost ended up on a shoulder And you could see that moving oh, uh, that, that, There was a lot of stakes In that little sequence And it felt like the whole episode was building towards it And it was a great payoff
1: It was and I didn't think like They managed to juggle so much of the plot and the uh, emotion of the characters uh, through the entire episode because you've got like the wheels moving at the at the the company as Claire is once again trying to steal it and um, Tom is trying to make his mark and you can very he very much feels like a young man who has too much on his plate. Um, but refuses to ask for the help he, he desperately needs. And so things just keep falling to the wayside. And that's a very, that's a very young adult feeling. Not that like older people don't, of course, struggle with juggling, but like the idea that it's not all about him, like he's still trying to, to, to get that part. And so he wants to, he wants to be there for his mom. And he wants to be there for the company. He wants to save Barclay, his best friend, who he created when he was eight and um, and he can't, sort of tell the truth a lot of the time i mean in his mom's case he can't tell lorraine her husband is stuck in in the orbit of saturn like how do you tell your your mom that her husband is just floating in space and he might not come back (laughs) but like though it is i understand that it's very heartbreaking to leave her in grief um but i just i think it's a good decision not to tell her just yet
2: Yeah, it definitely increases the stakes, I think, a little bit. She's quite hard on him, even though she definitely loves him. So that relationship is one of the richest on the show. And I think adding that kind of like layer to it, like he was very close to being honest in the most recent episode. And then you saw that flashback about why he couldn't. Um, It's very easy to get invested in the relationship in spite of how hard she is on him. And I think that just adds to the richness overall. I think now after what uh, the twist with what Claire made the mother do in the most recent episode, I think that's definitely going to add to it as we go forward.
1: I just want to know, is anyone going to ask questions? Because Lorraine doesn't seem like a woman who would be like, yes, I want you to oversee everything that my son <laughs> is doing at the company. So like, I feel like Tom should question that, though. I wonder if like like his friends would be like, well, you've kind of just been spending though. Perhaps she just wants to tie up the strings of the purse. Like, and not let you be in control. I don't know. Um, but I do, it, Claire intrigues me. And she intrigues me because, like, she's she's a person who spent so much of her life um, at one company. And therefore, thinks she is entitled to lead it. And just has not, like, gotten on the train to know that, girl, it's never going to happen. And you having to manipulate it to make it happen is not the motion at all.
0: I also really like... Um, not to change the subject or pivot, but the writing in this particular episode, there's like so many like innuendos, <laughs> like tongue in cheek moments, the title. Um, and also that the the scene at the end yes. with Tom, pretty steamy for the CW, I'd say. I still don't wish though, as much as they did give us, like there are a lot of like safe, like overhead shots, like pulled out and zoomed out that we don't usually get for other um, love scenes. I won't get too far into it because it's a different discussion, but I thought it was really interesting and we see a lot of development in Tom's love life.
1: Yes, he's that options, that scene. It was, I felt like it was still... I think it was still in the steamy warehouse of the CW, it was but the, 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 what you're talking about with the camera angles, it was a bit different. That aerial shot it, it was a nice shot, but I'm not used to seeing that type of shot in the scenes that, the intimate scenes, the love scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if maybe that also had to do with where they were having their intimate moment, considering it is on a motorbike and so they were trying to give you different perspectives i don't know how awkward it's looking um when you just have the bike there's no bed there's no walls there's no nothing it's just <laughs> oh,
0: of um, course tom is on a motorcycle um. with the champagne i mean
1: it was a great scene though um and very like this show definitely knows what it is. And I love that um, we're only three episodes in and it it's not confused about the direction that it's going in. It's very this is a show about a young black gay billionaire inventor who needs to learn more about like allowing people to help him and seeing outside of himself. But also, you know, he's fun. He likes uh dating, he's exploring different relationships I'm tentatively saying that because I don't know what's going on with him and Rowan this this cat and mouse game is Mm -hmm. is interesting
0: that was a confusing scene for me because I was like oh they're fighting oh okay (laughs) maybe not (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a big fan of the like I know some people do like the the like the enemies to lovers kind of thing Mm -hmm. not really my bag especially not this particular scene I wasn't super on board with how it like oh, mm-hmm. did a 360 so quickly but i mean it was 180 360 180, 180. Nah, nah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we followed <Yeah>. it's okay <laughs> yeah number is not really <laughs> not really my thing um but yeah i was i was confused by the end of that scene i didn't know how i felt about it
1: um i think i think i agree uh, the fighting is the thing that threw me off because they were getting physical with one mm-hmm. another and i was like well how well, now you're kissing two minutes later. And I'm like, but you were fighting. That's not, that's not usually a thing that I'm, I don't really like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and whiplash. Like it was because
1: <laughs> like, we were like, things were getting broken. Like um, mm-hmm. it was a very in- intense fight. Um, I did though like the twist at the end that it wasn't just that Rowan was playing Tom, Tom was playing Rowan and he mm-hmm. needed his DNA. Hence why the kiss had to happen. Um, And I don't know, I don't know if I like them. Like I'm not on team Rowan, team Tom get together eventually. I think I'm just more intrigued by how this relationship is going to play out given they're on opposite sides of what's going on.
0: Yeah, it's an an intriguing story, not completely on board with the ship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that puts it pretty well. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm on board with Isaac in Zenzi as a slow burn. I don't know if that's what they're giving us. Perhaps I am just projecting on it because that's what I want. But them cheering on Lino as he's fencing and Tom is ignoring the whole championship thing. I was like, look at them looking like parents applauding this, like like cheering from the sidelines (laughs) and and, um, um, being the support that he just was not getting from his brother.
2: That's one of my favorite dynamics on the show and I feel like this show is so like intentionally ambiguous in terms of where the romantic stories can go. There are, there are options. I like the way you said that there are so many options. And I think it knows what it's doing, but I think it likes to confuse us because every episode kind of hints towards something different. I think this episode in particular hinted towards all of the possibilities. So it's just, it'll be interesting to see where they go. But I, I do like the hooks, even if I'm not on board with every outcome every potential relationship i do like i do think they're doing a good job with teasing us with all of them
0: and they're letting the chemistry build naturally like they're testing Mm -hmm. all of the different pairings to see which actors get on and maybe what the fans connect with i think that's Mm -hmm. really smart because sometimes they put two characters together because that's their vision they're like oh we want these characters to be together and then we see it and it's like the spark's not sparking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i do like that they're exploring the different pairs
1: that's true so by like the end of i don't know if by the end of Tom's West season one whether or not we'll have an understanding of which romances are likely to go forward and be serious at least for an entire season but i do think i do like that we're they're exploring the different dynamics um and even if they're not romantic the different relationships are interesting like isaac being in leno's corner and clearly i guess we're going to be figuring out through him what exactly is going on with this young man being able to see the electricity in other people's bodies, which allows him to read what's going to happen next.
2: That was an unexpected turn. I didn't, I, I knew it was hitting towards something, but that's slightly more maybe in the supernatural territory. I know they'll have a technological explanation for it, but that, that caught me off guard. I like that. I, I don't know what to expect from that going forward, but I guess that that's kind of the show in a nutshell, isn't
1: it? True. And since you said supernatural, that just makes me feel like you could segue into the uh, Nancy Drew like episode mm, eventually mm. Like that would how if it's connected to Lino and there is a, like there's a technological explanation, but also a little bit of the supernatural in there. That's how you get Team Nancy on Tom Swift for a, a cute little crossover.
2: I feel like that has to be inevitable. It has to be part of the end game. So that's actually a good point. I never figured that that could be the connection. It would be really cool
1: everything now I want it so and we just have to have to wait um speaking of well I guess it's not really supernatural with aliens I'm going to give a brief little rundown of Rise New Mexico's uh season four premiere which you know it was it was fine I liked it I enjoyed it um it was interesting because I think whenever you start a premiere where everyone is in a state of calm before the storm like, and literally before the storm, because there's a storm in this episode, mm-hmm. um, it gives you an opportunity to, to see like, okay, they're settled, how are they doing with being settled? And everyone is hiding how they feel, which is typical of Roswell, New Mexico. Um, but like Liz is a teacher. Um, She's helping people get their GEDs, and um, and she's lovely as an instructor. Actually, I mean, Janine Mason has such brightness on screen, and that really came out as she's she's a teacher. And then Max is interim sheriff, which I don't know how that one happened, and I don't think they're going to explain. He was always a sheriff. He's deputy.
0: Oh, see, I don't know the difference. (laughs) Okay, so his position
1: he got hired, but the a sheriff has to be voted in. Um, and the, the former sheriff was um, <clears throat> I don't remember that woman's name, but um, never mind. We're just going to drop that out. Um, but she she was a part of the regiment issue last season, and I forget how she got ousted because that that part of the storyline was a little confusing for me. Um, but. Um, so he's interim sheriff and then Cameron comes back to town. She's an FBI agent and she's dealing with bank robberies and he's convinced it's not aliens, even though she's so sure it is aliens. And he's convinced it's not aliens because he's too busy trying to propose to, to Liz. And so he really doesn't need drama of uh, the alien kind. Uh, but things don't work out with the proposal to Liz because she's not ready to get married and she doesn't think that they're ready to get married. But she does want him to ask her later. Um, when they sort of sorted out the direction that they want to go in, which I thought they are in a place story-wise for them to be considering marriage. So that's going to be an interesting element for season four. Um, Michael and Alex have moved in together, just like Liz and Mac- Max have moved in together. Michael's having a, a move-in crisis because he's a child of the system or was a child of the system. So he doesn't really feel home anywhere. And so being home at Alex's place feels very uncomfortable for him because he feels like he's going to mess it up. I will say that beat for their relationship was strange only because like Alex shows him a gazebo that he made with his mom, like a mini, a miniature gazebo, um, a mom who we have not seen on screen yet who they barely talk about. But apparently she helped him in his teenage years when he was coming into his identity and understanding that he was gay by helping him paint a miniature gazebo. I thought that meant that he painted miniature gazebos whenever he was stressed so that he has like a whole room full of miniature gazebos. Apparently that's not what actually happened. He just showed Michael the one he made with his mom and then left it on the table. And then Michael broke it by accident. Yeah.
0: Oh no. Is that like an entry point for the mom to show up?
1: I'm hoping because they, they, occasionally talk about this woman and I just don't understand Alex was in an abusive household and his mom left And I was like was she aware that his dad was abusing her sons and just and, or or not like they don't really I really want them to tell us what mama mains was up to and um and why she left these boys in such a terrible position Um, But anyway, Alex isn't even really mad about the gazebo. He just (laughs) says (laughs) that.
0: I'm more upset about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I thought he'd be not enough to like kick him out, just to be like, you know, be more careful with the stuff around you type of conversation. But he was like, you know, actually, you're my home, Michael. And I mean, I don't need the gazebo anymore because I have you and blah, blah, blah. They're fine.
0: Um, Reminds me, uh, Michael, that um, I don't remember what season, but in Gilmore Girls, when Suki and Jackson break Lorelai's dollhouse and they feel yeah. really bad <laughs> and loyalized like low-key like heartbroken but she like doesn't take it out on them i was like so sad <laughs> <laughs> the just a brief, the <laughs> yeah just a brief aside no that
1: aside okay maybe if they had done a little bit more then because there's no reason to be sad for what happens with malik's because they don't give it and not that it needs time to breathe it's a gazebo that's like this big um uh, but it was important to him but it wasn't important enough to get even slightly upset about so I think they were just giving them busy work um well as we
0: like, <laughs> I love when you call it busy work because I'm just imagining like you're in fourth grade and you're like here's a worksheet <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean that's what it felt like they were like we need to give Michael and Alex a story before we can set up what happens in episode two so what we're going to do is have Michael panic over and give Alex this piece of backstory that we had never talked about ever, and then I don't know just give them drama for no
0: reason. It's giving Tarlo's and nine one one start too. too. <laughs>
1: people love Tarlo's. I know y'all love Tarlo's, um, and people compare malik's and Tarlo's a lot. They want malik's to get Tarlo's level storylines. So perhaps that was a note the writers. This told. is the beginning of it. <laughs> Um, what else happened? Oh, Maria is cu- um, cured of her brain degeneration. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, they didn't explain how that happened. It just did. I think it has something to do with the enzymes that they found in, what's his name? Jones, the alien who was actually the clone father of Max from last season. Um, oh, and the bank robbers are aliens and they're trying to start the, alight- the lighting by pouring some type of powder into the desert ground of new mexico and that's where they lost me but in any case (laughs) (laughs) there's a beautiful storm that happens and everyone realizes that um something terrible is about to happen oh and um isabel's girlfriend who's I don't, Anatsa, Elizabeth's girlfriend Anatsa tells her she loves her. And Isabel freaks out a little bit because she realizes she has to tell her the alien secret. She does not tell her the alien secret. Instead she tells her, I love you. And Anatsa gets distracted because she'd rather celebrate the I love you's than hear the secret that Isabel wants to tell her. So clearly that's going to be a point of of conversation for these two. Hopefully she's able to tell Anatsa before Anatsa finds out herself. But then again, that would add drama to the storyline. So if we're arguing in, in the desert, about aliens and how could you not tell me? And I'm a reporter. I'm fine with that.
2: That episode sounds like a beautiful storm. There is so much happening around.
1: <laughs> you know, for, for a lot of the plot things that they added into it, not much happened. But I did enjoy the, um, the character development. I'll be watching mm-hmm. episode two. I cannot promise anybody who's listening to this podcast that I'll be doing weekly reviews of Rosalind, Mexico on the pod. I will
0: just be... Me within the dark. <laughs> yes.
1: Like, you know, we're just going to enjoy the shows that we watch and pop back on when it's pertinent. I think that's that's the best... Um, that's the best decision. Speaking of good decisions, catching up on The Flash.
2: Yay. Yes. yes. What do you think?
1: I think um, if we bump past Allegra's episode, uh, which, you know what? It was serviceable. Mm-hmm. It, it allowed her to shine. Um, as someone who doesn't really care for Allegra's character, it did not, it did not pull me into the story. But if you're an Allegra fan, the writing was fine. It was, it yeah. was actually really good.
2: Yeah, that's the interesting thing. I really enjoy when they spotlight these characters instead of trying to shoehorn them into other stories. I'd much rather watch an Allegra-centric episode about her trying to overcome something, rather than watching her and Chester argue about sandwiches in a grief-stricken episode about something else. That didn't do it for me. This did do it for me. Much better episode. Not one of the greatest episodes of The Flash. Probably not one we'll be talking about when the show's over, but it was a solid episode. And the secondary story with Barry and all was great as well. But I from an Allegra standpoint, really like that.
1: Yeah. I, um, I just I think it did it did more for her character than what we have gotten this season by trying to like, like you said, shoehorn her in the plots that don't quite fit. Um, I think that. I like that we went back to the um house i think that's how you pronounce it um in mm-hmm. that gang and, and what it did to her life and, and how they were pulling her out i didn't quite the one the hokey thing well there are a few hokey things but mm-hmm. what the major hokey thing was um the power of journalism defeated these bad guys and i was like why would they care that they've been their names have been exposed if they're trying to kill someone they'll just kill somebody
2: that let that, that to me i think they did such a great job of building up this like balloon of energy throughout the whole episode and that just felt like someone popped the balloon right in the last minute it really killed the moment because allegra suddenly did this entire like captain marvel like a glowing moment and then you're telling me she wasn't strong enough to take down these two henchwomen and like that just felt like the show was like we've got this incredibly powerful character but she can't be more powerful than the flash show like let's weaken her it uh, that that that, that let the wind out of the sails for me. The, the episode was doing such a great job up until that point. But then, oh no, these two like ruthless henchwomen who don't live normal lives anyway are suddenly scared about the fact that their names are out in the public. And I'm like, why would they be scared about that? So Allegra is going to let them run off and disappear so that they can come back in the future? Nah, didn't buy that.
1: Yeah, no, no, especially because um, sunshine is like you can't defeat me. I was like, girl, you just pop in and out. Like, what? <laughs> how? How could she not defeat you? I don't understand. She just. But um, the power sequence for that one was really great. Um, seeing her in a leader, take charge in a leadership role. Um, at Central City Media was great. I, I will say though, her being like, I shouldn't, uh, maybe I didn't deserve to be the leader when Iris left as if like, she did not leave. She stuck <laughs> in still force, but okay.
2: Props to you for remembering about her because nobody else does.
1: No, I mean, it really does feel like this woman is on a, a, a story somewhere and they're just waiting for her to come home. I think mean, it does not feel like she is trapped. Uh, by interesting enough to just hop over The next episode it doesn't feel like she's trapped by the Forces which with the forces being against Barry I'm confused
2: I don't know where this is going I don't know Why is Dion bad all of a sudden I, I don't get That Um. Uh. Yeah again this review Is going to be very much like the, the last few Excellent episode Amazing storytelling Doesn't make sense within the wider Story Um. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm going to leave the Iris stuff to the side because I don't like what they did when she was on screen and I certainly don't like that they've left her off screen. But from an episode standpoint, I mentioned it earlier, this felt like an old-fashioned Arrowverse episode. We got both reverse flashes in the same episode. When has that ever happened before? It was great to see Tom Cavanagh back. It was even greater to see Matt Letcher back. I hope I pronounced it right. He he finally returned on Legends last season, so it was really cool to see him back here. Um, I I got connected to the redemption arc for the reverse flash. I didn't think we'd get that. That was really cool. Um, uh, I really like fast track, such funky music whenever she went evil as well. Um, Great character. And uh, what else? Uh, The Diggle moment that no one saw that coming. Like, oh my goodness, that that was a nice surprise. Uh, And to see him interact with uh, the reverse flash if he hadn't had a scene with like since season one. Excellent.
1: It was, I think. So I love that the core of this, uh, this episode, which I don't think they sort of revealed it until towards the end was love. Mm -hmm. um and the power of love and what it can help you overcome like for Diggle it was him deciding not to be Green Lantern which I know some people are gonna be like upset that he's not going to be but I think it did service his character for them to tie up his story like that um in the in the era verse where he chose his family because everyone knows you have to give them up like um because you um now I will say I'm not like the, I am not a Green Lantern expert, but uh, just to ask you, Michael, you do, once you adopt the um the mantle, you're flying all across the universe. There's no time to have a family, correct?
2: Yeah. You're part of the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, so there's loads of Green Lanterns all over the universe that you're sent out in assignments to protect different planets and all and whatnot. There are multiple different Green Lanterns. We know Ryan Reynolds played, why is his name escaping me? I'm Delete this because I should know this. Um, uh, uh, We know Ryan Reynolds played Hal Jordan there. We'll insert this version instead. We know Ryan Reynolds played the Hal Jordan version. We thought John Diggle was being set up to play the John Stewart version because I think his family is married into General Stewart's family. So there's your connection, John Diggle Stewart. And uh, I'm conflicted about that because Arrow ended teasing that he was finally going to become the Green Lantern. And he picked up the box. Then David Ramsey signed that deal that allowed him to appear in episodes of Batwoman, Supergirl, Legends, Superman at Lois and The Flash. And across every single one of those, except Legends and Superman at Lois, it furthered that arc. He had the headaches on The Flash. On Batwoman, he was in a hospital in Gotham City trying to get the headaches looked at. On Supergirl, that was for a different story, but he did say, worlds wet." which is a Green Lantern reference. They've been building this story across the Arrowverse for the last two years, only to turn around and have them deny it instead. It's great and it would have worked fine in a show itself, but I feel like they invested far too much time in this story just to say, yeah, we're not going to do that in the end. And I think now this suggests that they're pivoting into the just-as-you direction because John Diggle can't be Green Lantern and lead a school of superpowered individuals at the same time. So I feel like that they've... they've they, the Green Lantern thing was decided at a different time, and they've decided to move into the Justice You thing. So, the, the Flash episode last night was him finally choosing against Green Lantern so that he could go choose his family and then go in the Justice You direction. I'm conflicted about it. It makes sense for the character, but because they decided to tell the story across six different shows just to pull the rug out from under us two years later and say, yeah, we're not going in that direction, feels like a little bit of a letdown for me. Mm, so,
1: would you put it like that? I understand. I think for as a fan of the Airverse who did not watch all of the shows um, or continued all of the shows, um, I haven't I've seen the hopping, but I haven't seen it in, in the way that you have. So for me, it didn't feel like a two-year journey. <laughs> it felt like a like I remember them talking about it in 2020. It came up in some of the episodes that they've aired so far in other AirVerse shows. And oh now he's made his decision. But if you have been on the two-year journey with him, and then I like, mm. We're not going to go in the Green Lantern direction, so sorry, you guys. It does, it would be a letdown. I do think, though, with it being a letdown, at least the way that they tied it up was good story. Like, it made sense for him. Um, and the, the fact that they managed to squeeze that into, what, five minutes of, of screen time? And it'd yeah. still be compelling. Um, just spoke to like the skill of the writing for this episode the same with like he said the redemption arc for um for Eobard uh which him and Mina I did not expect um that to to happen um but I liked it and it seems like fast track labs is where you go for love because um Bart also found love with someone who worked (laughs) at fast track labs
2: yeah that came out of nowhere but there's so it's every time they say there's a reverse flash out there in the timeline. Like how many times are you rewriting this? Because he was the villain in season one. He died. He was erased from existence, and yet they've continually found ways to bring him back. Not only that, they find ways to bring both versions of the character back. I didn't understand any of with the explanation for which reverse flash this one is. Uh, apparently, it was. The Flashpoint version, who then was uh, taken in by the Black Flash and made to serve the timeline, which is why we saw him in Legends of Tomorrow. And because he redeemed himself serving the timeline, he was dropped back in the present over on the Flash so he could live a life of happiness without the memory of his evil life. That's a lot to buy in like 40 minutes, but like (laughs) we'll roll with it. We'll roll with it. But um, they did a good job in 40 minutes, I will say that. The writing in this episode was very, very impressive. which is why it bothers me that this season's full of impressive standalone episodes that don't go together in the slightest.
1: No, because I just, I don't, I don't understand why this was the choice. Um, I, I, I love being able to praise the show for the storytelling that it gives us, but I'm not someone who can be like, these are not, you can't have a whole season of self-contained episodes. Um, especially when like you put two, your two major storylines on ice. Iris is on ice, and we're acting as if she's not. And then you have the Caitlin storyline, which furthered at the end of this episode, which I did actually enjoy that Mark called her and was like, mm-hmm. we, can, we could actually save Frost. We can get Frost back without having to use the mirror gun. I'm excited to see where they go with that story. I thought that, that um, insert into like the last two minutes really worked for this for this episode I just um how are we sticking the landing better with Caitlyn than we are with Iris why is Barry out here calm like I just do not understand like he's like he even had a line about how Iris is his lightning rod and I was like your lightning rod is stuck in the still force but you are acting as if she's on assignment I don't understand
2: I'm telling you, if we don't, if, if this season doesn't end with, if it's still Force versus Frankenfrost, I, I I am not accepting anything else because that feels like where they're heading towards here. And like, the, we've two episodes left and it's t- t- a two-part finale to tie all this up. And I hope the Frost storyline produces something and I hope we finally get Iris back and just like forget this time sickness ever existed. Can we not erase it from existence, please? Because it's just been the biggest waste of time and it undermines every single character on the show.
1: It does, I just don't, and I hate that, that, like every time we talk about how great the episode was, we also then have to talk about how it's not fitting into the overall season eight plot. Um, And then I guess talk about Cecile. Cecile was fun this episode, I liked her level up. I don't understand why she is now becoming a crime fighter, Um, but I do think it's interesting and that she is now able to move um, other people's emotions um onto someone else like that was a really cool um move for her and another note I don't know why baby Jenna exists I've asked this every season since since she came to be they never sew this child they bring her up randomly and now she's going to kindergarten and I was like wait she's (laughs) fine I just did not remember
2: they've done nothing with her and I feel like maybe they're giving Cecile a standalone story now since Joe's leaving next season so that maybe they have her off doing her own vigilante thing and I mean like unexpected but I can roll with it I do like Cecile more than other people do I just don't like when they give her corny stories this doesn't seem corny so I can roll with it and see where it goes um but yeah it feels like she's going to need more of her own stuff going forward since Joe's not going to be part of the show
1: yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it. I just want better explanation for why it's happening. I actually, I'm fine with Cecile. I like Cecile. I just don't like when um, they treat her the way that they do Chester and Allegra where she's shoehorned into things mm-hmm. or they have her explaining other people's emotions in ways that she doesn't need her powers for. Um, but other than that, I think that she is, was a really good addition to the show when mm-hmm. she's used properly. Uh, I just don't think they always use her character properly. Uh, I'm a little nervous for the two-part season finale. I'm not going to lie, not just because I'm wondering what they're going to do with Iris, but also because I'm not sure how they're going to tie these loose ends up because I really don't want to go into season nine with more time sickness or um, with um, an extended plot about the forces. We've done the forces now for two seasons. Like if they're bad, um, then just figure out a way to end it at the end of, of season eight because they keep going from oh we're misunderstood to we're bad to now our Barry and Iris who are like our parents have to save us like Barry calling the speed force speed force Nora through me uh, yeah. this episode because he hasn't referred to her that way
2: I know is it speed force Nora is it mom is it is it a uh, daughter I don't I don't know what they want us to call these people um I think the fourth storyline was a misfire I think it's been a misfire ever since we've had it um but I will say this before we f- wrap up An episode focused solely on the characters and even those original characters that were only guests, like the original reverse Flash. That had more heart in it than most of the season. So I hope if season nine is the last one, we get more stories like that focused around what the Flash was rather than what it's become. Because this whole force malarkey, this whole uh, time sickness stuff, it's all been a big bust. And yet the show can still produce some hidden gems like this one. So I hope to see it's, it's on a good track now. And I hope now that we have Iris back, it'll stay on it. So I hopeful for the season finale. I'm not expecting it to be among the best finales the show's ever done, but I do have hope that if season nine is the last one, we can just continue to go in the right direction because it's getting there slowly. I just hope it actually does get there. Put your
1: leads at the front of the storyline,
2: please. It's right. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, so to wrap up, as usual, we will do a roast and a toast. Uh, this week's roast uh, is really just us complaining once more that the CW has canceled so many shows. We do think it was a mistake. Obviously, everyone who watched the show thinks it's a mistake. But if we're even just talking from a programming angle, um, there is n- there, I would assume it's a rebuild phase right now. We are definitely in transition once we hit
0: fall.
2: Without a doubt. Um, I I don't think some of these new shows will have the legs or the, uh, the business appeal or the the fan base that the likes of Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman and Dynasty had. I know those shows weren't going to last forever and I'm glad Dynasty will get a chance to wrap up like it should. But I feel like they could have gotten maybe one or two more seasons out of those shows before it pivoted into this reboot era. A hard reboot maybe not the right direction to go. I do think they'll be the new shows will be successful off the bat, but I just don't know if they'll have the lengthy appeal. So it would have been handy to have a few more familiar faces around during that era. It's a
0: lot all at once, and it's putting a lot on the shows that they didn't cancel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's on their shoulders to carry them into this new era, more so than I think the three new ones. Mm-hmm. And then
2: you have those like veterans, like the Flash at Riverdale, which aren't going to be around forever. So, like, and they're like, okay, Riverdale's not anymore, but The Flash is in its top three best performing shows. What happens when it goes off the air? You know, it, they could have done with a few of those more supporting characters just to, just to stick around for a little while longer to do some of the heavy lifting.
1: Yeah. And I think um, people are going to struggle, you know, with, with the, the lineup change as it is um, with. Show, superhero is basically being pushed into 2023 instead of having your your typical fall superhero lineup. I mean, Stargirl would be there, but it's just Stargirl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have um, the two new shows, The Winchesters and Walker Independence. You have Gotham Knights in 2023. I just, um, I really don't think they should have canceled that many shows. I think mean, they should have at least final season them. I get that we're cutting down the budget most likely, uh, but I just, I don't. We're in a new era. I was so excited. We were talking about like the um the 2022, 2022 schedule, and now I'm I'm not so excited anymore. And I guess that might also have to do with the Gotham Knights trailer. This is not me dragging this this show. I just want to be excited for this, and I'm just not yet. And perhaps when we get more footage, I will be, um, because I I want it to succeed. I want the CW to keep thriving. Um, and I'm just worried that we might be in a struggle
0: era in the proximity of announcing the new shows to when everybody lost their shows and the cancellations hit it was so close together that it's hard to go from like oh my god all these shows got canceled to oh here's some new shows are we excited like it was just so close together
1: (laughs) it was And now the energy has been brought down. So to pick the energy back up, (laughs) (laughs) we did this week. um, We're going to toast ourselves because thanks to y'all, the listeners, um, we have over 1,000 Twitter followers. Um, So, like, yay us. Yes. Um, But also, thank you guys for being a part of this journey with us. It has been, I honestly have to say, stellar. (laughs) <laughs> uh, to see to see y'all your pigeons um to see like your feedback on the podcast on the YouTube videos and on on our Twitter account um it we could not do this without you um and it's just been so fun so we're excited to keep doing like being bigger doing better and um starting a Nancy Jew journey as well y'all stay tuned to that
0: and we're all on this weird rocky cw future journey together <laughs> yes
2: <laughs> retweet retweet <laughs> it, we don't 17 to 18 episodes now and it's just it's been a, it's been an intriguing time to be a cw fan but i feel like all of our conversations and our discussions here collectively on twitter all of it has helped get us through so yes a big shout out to everyone for listening to what we have to say
1: yes yes thank you um so that ends this week's pod. We have laid the flowers on the grave of the vampire diaries. Though they're probably resurrected, like I said earlier. Um, and we are gonna hop off. So we're the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina.
2: I'm Michael, and I read.
1: Bye y'all, and I hope the Legacy series finale is amazing. Like I really do.
2: <sighs> Alright, TV die for now. Yes.